meeting in our home on Thursday nights that want to see God do something brand new in North Decatur. So it's on the east side of Atlanta. If you don't know Atlanta geography, if it's like a clock, we're at like 2.30, if you will, just, just inside the perimeter there. And um, in about, uh, yeah, we have 15 to 20 people on Thursday nights, and we want to multiply two more groups in the next six to eight months. And we have about eight people in our group that are like, we're next. We're next to start a group, and they want to reach their apartment complexes. They want to reach their neighbors. Uh, we're inviting people into our home like crazy. I think we've hosted, I, I, I counted, uh, over, over 50 people uh, in our home this past year for dinner. Uh, life-changing for us. You go, well, that's, you know, I mean, that's great for you guys, but like, you got to understand, like, we had never lived that way before. It, unfortunately, it took church planning to kind of, you know, just dive right in and do it. But I wish we'd been doing that all along. And I know you guys studied the art of neighboring last year, and I pray that maybe you'll uh, take it, that you have taken up some of those stuff. And from what uh, what Robbie's told me, uh, some of you guys are taking that more seriously, and you're starting to do that. And I'm telling you, it will change the world as, as we invite people into our homes, and our homes become more of an oasis rather than a fortress, if you know what I mean we begin to say, come into my house, I, we'll, we'll get a bigger table, we'll figure it out, and we'll have people in our home that think differently than us, amen, that might disagree politically from us, amen, that might disagree religiously from us, uh, that's what Jesus did last time I checked, uh, he hung out with people that did not follow the Lord, uh, did not follow the ways of God, and so that's what we're trying to do in Decatur, and, um, you know, we're not perfect at it, but the Lord has really blessed us, and he is uh, with us and is moving. And I could, li- I mean, I'm serious, I could keep you here till midnight just telling you story after story. So follow us on Facebook, at Logos Decatur, and you can see the stories there. You can kind of scroll back through our history and see uh, people getting saved, uh, our, our group getting started, uh, ministry with other churches, uh, ministering to the homeless, and different things like that. But I'm here to talk a little less about Lagos and a little less about our story there and a little more about Jesus. Is that okay? Good stuff. So open up with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, yeah, yeah, this is the funeral psalm, right? This is the one that we only read at funerals and we don't really think about other than that. And we kind of skip over it during our quiet time because it might seem, you know, morbid to you to read Psalm 23. You know, man, Valley of Darkness. No, man, I need something. You know, man, I've, you know, but if, if we're honest this morning... Um, you know, those of you who are in a valley right now, uh, which likely is many of you because many of us do walk through those deep, dark valleys, uh, this is for you this morning. If you're on a mountaintop this morning, this is for you because you're going to be in a valley really soon. Uh, it's just how life works, right? <laughs> We're up and down, up and down. And so uh, turn, turn with me there. And the title of my sermon this morning is, uh, is called uh, essentially A Shepherd-Led Life, How to Live a Life Led by the Shepherd. By the great shepherd, that is God. God is presented in the Bible as a shepherd all throughout Scripture. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, like I mentioned a second ago, this psalm tends to be a funeral psalm, but it really should be a daily psalm. It should be a psalm, uh, it's a psalm that has so much of the gospel in it, it's just incredible. And so I want to just read through the passage. Uh, and can we stand and honor God's word? I hate to make y'all stand up again, kind of. Uh, okay, I don't really hate it, but um, some of y'all don't like me very much for making you stand up. But um, Psalm 23, verses 1 to 6. And let's just read this together as the uh, words come up on the screen or you're in your copy of the word. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yes, you can read along. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God. And God's people said, amen. You may have a seat. I won't make you stand back up for a little while. All right. As we get to know the shepherd, we learn to live a life led by him. So I want to take a look at five things that God is, that the great shepherd is this morning. And it's one of my favorite things to do day by day, just to case upon Jesus, look at who he is, and let that change me. And I invite you to do the same thing this morning. So the first thing that we see in Psalm 23 is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's the God who provides. The God that provides. Let's put number one up there. The God who provides. And this is in verse one, if you recall. Let's look right back at it. The Lord is my? Yeah, but actually that verse shepherd right there, it's a participle in the Hebrew. Now, how many uh, grammar Nazis out there remember what a a participle is? Any other grammar Nazis out there? Yeah, good stuff. All right, I'm not alone. That's good. It's actually the Lord is shepherding me. It's shepherding. And so this is an active process, not just who he is, but he's always doing it. And sheep, I don't know if you remember hearing about this, if you've ever heard the sermon preached, or maybe you've read something about, you know, shepherd theme in the Bible, but uh, sheep are kind of dumb animals, you know, they really are. How many, does anybody actually have sheep in here? Do do we have any real life 21st century shepherds? Anybody? Okay, cool. Um, So, but if you've ever been to petting zoo or anything like that, you know, they're not the most intelligent animals. Sheep need constant care. They need to be led. They're not driven like cattle. They're they're led. They, they, They take some coaxing. Uh, it's a deep investment. But as a preface, I want to say that I think sometimes we approach this psalm as like, okay, I'm dumb and stupid. God's really smart. God leads me because I'm dumb and stupid and I stink like a sheep. Like, I think we can kind of hyper, you know, uh, you know, we can kind of get that imagery a little too far. I want to back up and just, and just say that it's not that we're dumb and smelly like sheep. It's that we need him like sheep do. And so, And so just know that, because I think we tend to go, well, if God's going to lead me, then I need to think really low of myself. No, no, it's just thinking uh, more highly of God and realizing uh, who you are in him. That's that's actually what being a sheep is all about. So as God provides, this first uh, point I want to show you, the Lord is shepherding me. See, Israel and all humanity in the scriptures is presented as sheep. And in our 21st century Western culture, what has happened is we live in a day and age where we are encouraged. If you watch any amount of TV or watch any movies or do anything like that, you will see that Western culture says you can do it. You don't need anyone else. You're the expert on you and you just do what you want and that makes you awesome. Anybody ever heard that before? Anybody? Okay, just, j- just a few of you. So the rest of you need to go watch TV or read a paper or something because you will see. I, w- I, w- I was walking through Target the other day, and it was just book, and it was just like bright yellow letters. It was like, you are awesome. And I was just like, there it is. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to look very far. And I'm preaching on it this week and just saw it. And that's kind of our culture today. We're sold a hyper self-sufficient life in which I'm the authority and I know what's best. The best person to lead me is me. But that's a lie. We were, we were created to be led. We were wired to have God lead us. 
He did that because he loves us. He did that because he's chasing after us. As we wander like lost sheep, he's rounding us up. He's calling out to us. And I hope you see that this morning. Not only does he guide, but he also satisfies. Let's take a look at the verse again. Look back in the scriptures. I shall not want. And actually, a better translation of that, some of your translations may say this, is I lack nothing. The Hebrew word there is keser, and it's actually translated lacking. It means to lack, so what? So want doesn't really cover it. I lack nothing. What God has given me is enough. Moreover, he is enough. The attitude is really seen in 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. You guys remember that verse? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Yeah, some, some of you memorized that verse. Godliness, great contentment, is gain. But you know, the key to contentment, this is really interesting, I want you to catch this morning. The key to contentment is not found in satisfaction with having less. But instead, the key is to confess that Jesus is all you need. I'm going to say that one more time. Key to contentment is not found in just being satisfied with having less. But instead, the key is to confess that Jesus is enough. So it's not that I don't have anything and I'm okay with it. No, it's like, look at what I have in Christ. Look at who he, look what I have. I I had somebody text me a couple weeks ago in our uh, Thursday night group. He said, man, I just wish God still did those big physical manifest miracles. You know, pillar cloud by day, fire by night kind of stuff. Man, I just wish he would do that. I can't say I've ever, you know, that I haven't ever thought that. But I started thinking about it. I'm just like, man, how jealous would Moses be? If someone were to tell him, hey, one day, like, the Spirit of God's going to live inside the hearts of people. Like, like, you know the Spirit that you have to go to the temple to, to go and see and that is in this concealed space? One day he's going to live inside the hearts of every believer. Can you imagine how jealous Moses would be of you and me? Guys, we're privileged. For those of you that are in Christ this morning, you have a privilege. Christ lives within you. His Spirit is within you. And we ask God, where are you? And he's like, I'm inside. I'm, I'm speaking to you right now. So we've got to listen. And that's why it really is appropriate that we are sheep and he's the shepherd. Because uh, sheep are hard of hearing. I, I don't know if you know that about them. <laughs> They're not very good at listening. And uh, I'm not most days either. I like to talk more, if, if you can imagine. I lack nothing. He also leads and he feeds. Everybody say that together. He leads and he feeds. Yeah, he does both those things. Let's, uh, let's just look at two and three. He makes me lie down. Amen? <laughs> he makes me lie down. Lie down now. Because how many of you, I mean, really, if you're honest, how, m- how many of you love to rest? Yeah, there, there we go. Cool. How many of you are like me and, like, you need God to, like, make you rest because you're, like, a borderline workaholic? Anybody? You're just like, no, i got to keep doing, Lord, because i got to keep proving myself. And if I'm busy, I'm important. And so i got to keep doing stuff. So that's what I struggle with. And God's like, no, dude, you just need to chill out. Let me work. That's how God talks to me sometimes. Just like, chill, Brandon. Be still. Know that I'm God. Trust me. I'm doing it. You still work hard, but rest. Rest. And so verses 2 and 3, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So the green pastures and the still waters, this really is a picture of nourishment. Everybody say nourishment. God's pastures for us are green. He doesn't lead us to brown pastures, dead grass, you're munching on dead leaves? No. The salad that you most likely will eat for lunch today has green in it, except for that romaine lettuce. Stay, stay away from that. Dude, the night that that came up on Facebook, I don't know if any of y'all were like trolling my feet at that point, but like in the comment, I, I was like, 
big eyes because the second that that was coming on about nine o'clock, I had just had a Caesar salad that night. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I done messed up now. But so yeah, so stay away from the Caesar salad. But God's pastures are green and they're what we need. Shepherds are intentional with their sheep when it comes to nourishment. God leads us to green pastures. Let me ask you a question this morning, brother, sister in Christ. Do you believe that the pastures that God has led you to are in fact green? Do you believe it? Or are you still looking for another pasture when he's led you to the pasture that you need to be eating from day after day? You know, shepherds, it was common for them back in the day, back in ancient Israel, they would go to these uh, fast-moving brooks and streams, and, and they would actually dam up a portion of it so that the sheep could drink, because sheep won't drink from fast-flowing water. See, we do it all the time. We go to a water fountain and do the switch, and you know, it shoots out, hopefully not up your nose or anything like that. But we, we drink from fast-moving water all the time. In fact, that's a sign of good water, right, that it's flowing. It's not stagnant, but the shepherds would actually still it. So that's this picture of still waters here. Shepherds would still it up, and the sheep would be able to drink. Listen for when you need to lie down. Let me ask you a question practically. What are your patterns of rest? What are your patterns of rest throughout the week? Do you, do you, do you have a plan for rest? Execute it this week. Rest in the Lord and his goodness. We just sang about it. He's good. He's got it. Our, spirit, our spiritual nourishment, let's talk about that for a second. Our spiritual nourishment will not come from on-the-go eating in terms of spiritual eating. How many of you like on-the-go meals? Anybody? So, yeah, it's a huge food industry right now. They've actually, uh, you know, research has shown like over the past 40 or 50 years, the on-the-go food, it used to not really be as much of a thing, but now it's everywhere. You got those sandwiches in the boxes that are like $8, you know, and you can make it at home for a dollar. Um, but, you know, it's just like, I mean, and they, I mean, they're gouging those prices, man. Those sandwiches are expensive. And they do these on-the-go food because we're just so busy. We live in this busy, busy, busy culture, and we just grab the food and go and shove it down our mouth. How many, how many other, like I, I ate cookout last night. I ate the food in like five minutes. I was so hungry. Anybody else? A slam cookout in about five. Yeah, it's like, where did it go? And it's like, you, you rush through it, man. On-the-go eating, we let that translate to spiritual nourishment all the time, don't we? I just need five, you know, one of those five-minute devotionals. I'll do good. Now, I'm not hating if you have a five-minute devotional, all right? I used to have a five-minute devotional. But at a certain point, uh, brother, sister in Christ, can I challenge you on something this morning? At a certain point, five minutes isn't enough. I'm not here to judge you this morning. What I'm here to tell you is that as you grow in Christ, we need to move beyond baby food. And that's supposed to be a challenge this morning in a, in a loving way to encourage you to start munching on some solid food. And then to get you steak and potatoes, like the Book of Romans, right? That's a steak and potatoes kind of book. Now, if you've never eaten steak and potatoes before, it would, it would be hateful for me to give my baby a uh, full, you know, porterhouse steak and start trying to feed it to him. He would, he would die. And so, you know, don't, I'm not, I'm not saying if you're, if you just got saved and you're going to read Romans, you're going to get, you know, don't apply that quite the same, but you know what I mean? Let's move beyond the baby food. The five, the, the five minutes is a great start, but I believe God wants you to know him deeper than what you can know in five minutes and to dwell on these things often. You know what will happen if we uh, depend on that on-to-go eating spiritually? If we do that over and over and over again? Our spiritual uh, nourishment situation, you'll, you'll end up fasting all week long. And go with me here. You'll show up Sunday like this. And you'll go, go ahead, Pastor Robbie, feed me. And you know how much you'll eat after not eating for a whole week? Any, anybody here ever fasted? It's like 
you you don't want to slam a meal at the end of the fast, do you? You're you're like, oh man, I can't I can't even really eat a whole lot after you haven't eaten for a whole week, and then you show up to church and you barely eat, and you go, I'm not getting fed, and then you leave. It happens all the time. God wants us to feed ourselves at home. He wants to feed us day by day in His Word. Lots of us have these Bibles in in our homes. The average American they did a study one time has like two or three Bibles, whether they're Christian or not, or read them at night. Read them or not, they're in hotels. We can get them on our phones now. I want to encourage you, day by day, not a not a guilt trip, nothing like that, but just an honest plea. Day by day, read the Word of God. Listen to the heart of God. Someone asked me in Decatur back in February, they said, how do I hear from God? It's this question he'd been wrestling with a lot of his life. I said, I said it's in the Word, bro, the Word of God. I began to share with him from God's Word. We got him a copy of God's word. It was great. And then he got saved. It was awesome. His name's Rudy. You pray for Rudy. You will become malnourished if that happens. And sickly sheep often blame the shepherd. And so I want to encourage you not to be a sickly sheep, but be the kind of sheep that God has for you, a nourished sheep, green pastures, still waters. And when that happens, God restores our soul day by day. How many of you hook up your phones at night? Anybody? Charge? Charge your batteries? Yeah. How, how many of you got that software update? Everybody? Everybody got your software update? Your phone goes crazy if you don't. And sometimes you need that power cycle, right? If your phone's acting all crazy, you just kind of restart it because, you know, power cycles, you know, hardly anybody does it. Our souls need to do the same thing. We need a soul sync. Every single day, we need to resync. If we do it for our phones, we ought to do it for our soul. And so he restores our soul as we drink from the still waters, as we eat from the green pastures. Let's go on. Let's, let's, let's examine this other aspect of God. The second thing is the God who is ultimate. He's ultimate. Let's read verse 3 again. He leads me in paths of righteousness for whose name's sake? His name's sake. Oh, man, I love that part. We're going to get to that in just a second. Hey, uh, sheep carving out their own path is a really bad idea. It's a terrible idea. In fact, sheep try to do it all the time. They, they just kind of go rogue and start carving their own path. And it's the same thing in our life. You know, sheep sight, uh, I don't know if you know this or not about sheep, but they're like really terrible at uh, sight. You know, they can't see very well. They have really bad eyesight. It's not, it's not like a bird that sees so sharp from far away, but they have terrible, terrible eyesight. And again, we live in a day and age where you're, you're, encouraged, you're encouraged to carve out your own path. Carve out your own path. Do what you want. Do whatever makes you happy. When in fact what's happened is, God has carved out these paths for us. Um, I, you know, I started thinking about paths, and you know, paths are forged. Paths just don't appear out of nowhere. Did you know that about a path? Like, someone has to make it. It's just brush at first. I remember being a kid, and I remember we used to, um, so I hung out with my friend Tyler. Tyler was a little crazy, okay? I mean, Tyler was like, the only, like, we were playing touch football, and Tyler was like tackling everybody, like he was that kid. Um, and he, man, I, like, he hurt me so many times, and I, I just cried, but anyway. I'm getting over it. He, uh, but we used, to, we used to go out in the woods, and it was just, you know, it was just brush. And Tyler, for some reason, I still can't figure it out, but Tyler had like six machetes. And I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where he got them from. It definitely wasn't safe. Some of you are like, I'm so sorry about your childhood. No, this was awesome. It was like, you know, we're like eight years old. We got machetes, and we're just like, wow, 
And we're just like carving our path, man. And luckily, no one got sliced or anything. I mean, I, I couldn't, can't think of anything more dangerous for a bunch of eight-year-olds to be doing. But that's just what we were doing. And so we're carving our own path, and we're and we're just. I mean, guys, like we 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 would come back from making our own path in the woods. You know, we build forts and stuff. Like no one knew where we were at. It's just crazy to think about. I'm like, where were our parents anyway? Um, <laughs> they trusted us with machetes. Well, we got back, and guys, we had bug bites. I mean, we did, you know, we, we'd get caught in briars sometimes. We were, we were a mess. And, guys, this was pre-deodorant days, so we stunk. I mean, we were, we were filthy. I mean, just, just smelled terrible. Fortunate path's hard work. It's hard work that Jesus was willing to do for us 2,000 years ago. He came. He came, and it was actually his wounds that brought us peace. He came and forged a path of salvation for us. He lived the perfect life that none of us could live. See, our shepherd is a path forger, and we're meant to follow in his paths of righteousness. Look back at the text. These are paths of righteousness. And when we we walk in the ways of the one true God, it glorifies him, and people take notice in the world. Did you know that? My head will explode if I talk to another person that says, I've left the church because people have not walked in the paths of righteousness. And granted, none of us are perfect. Jesus died for hypocrites. And people say, you know, I left the church because of hypocrites. And I'm like, well, who do you think he died for? He died for messed up hypocrite, hip, messed up hypocritical people like me who don't even live up to my own standards, let alone God's standards perfectly. But Jesus came, forged that path for us, lived perfectly, obeyed perfectly, went all the way to the cross and rose again so that we could follow in those paths of righteousness. Take a look at your life for a moment. Be still. Think about your life as it's going right now. And can I just ask you an honest question? Are the paths that you're traveling on paths of righteousness? Again, I don't ask you in a judgmental way. I ask you in a way of pleading for you to just understand that there's a shepherd that loves you, a shepherd that wants your best, and a shepherd that has a path of righteousness for you in your life. And my prayer for you is that you would seek that path and find that path. And as you find that path, you would realize that it's not just for your good, but it's for whose glory? God's glory, yes. It's for his name's sake. Because when children obey their parents, my goodness have I learned this in having three kids. When children obey their parents, it makes daddy feel good, okay? I mean, it just, you know, and we don't, we don't, we don't do it to make God feel good, but we do it to glorify him. When children honor, this is why in Scripture you see it all over the place, children honor your father and mother, because when you honor your father and mother, it glorifies God, because he's our father. And when we honor his paths of righteousness, it glorifies him. It makes him famous. And then people go, hey, why do you live like that? And then we go, I don't know, I just kind of try to live a good life. No. We go, it's because Jesus has changed me, man. You don't understand. Ten years ago, I wasn't this guy. He completely changed my life. He has completely changed. I still haven't got over how God's changed me. And can I tell you something this morning? Everybody in here has a good testimony. I'm tired of hearing that, that you know, why don't, why don't we a good testimony? Because I haven't murdered anybody. I've never done hard drugs and all this kind of stuff. I, I have a boring testimony. You do not have a boring testimony. Ephesians 2 says that you were a child of wrath. And in his kindness, he loved you and made you alive again. That's true of every believer in here. You were dead, and now you're alive. You have an amazing testimony. Don't ever let anybody tell you your testimony is boring because you don't have a good story. 
But if you have a good story, you better tell that story. Be faithful. People want to listen. We get people don't care. No, people are changed every day by God. God doesn't work in the world anymore. Yes, he does. He's doing it every day, and he's done it in your life, and you need to be faithful and share. And I need to be faithful and share. It's one of the easiest things we can do. Listen to someone's story. Share your story. Watch what God does. Watch what he does this week when you do that. Let's, let's move on or else I'm not going to finish. Point, point number three. The God who is, let's wait for it. The God who is, point three, read it for me. Emmanuel. Yes, we're about to talk about it. Christmas time is here. How many of you have decorated? Anybody? Anybody decorated? My wife put up the Christmas tree when, Tabor? <laughs> Before Thanksgiving. This is, yeah, don't judge us, all right? She's, I promise she's a really good person, all right? She's just, you know, just really loves Jesus, all right? Anyway, he's the light of the world. We got our lights up, so there we go. The God is Emmanuel. Let's go back to the text. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Oh, I love that about our Lord. He's a personal God. Let that sink in for a moment. No other religion compares. It, it really, really doesn't. There's, there, there's no other taught personal God. Every other religion says, appease God, hope it works out. Hope he's happy with you. That was the message of God that I grew up with. Do enough stuff, hope it works out. And I lived in fear. I never had security in my salvation. Because you know who I depended on? Me. And when I found out that it was Jesus that fulfilled the requirements, that he aced the test, that he finished the work, oh, such peace in my life. And I've been changed by that peace. And that's why God came. Last night, we were on the way back from a funeral. My wife's uncle passed away, and it was very unexpected. Um, great, great ceremony. This, this psalm was read at the uh, graveside. And on the way back, you know, it's dark. You know, we'd just gotten the kids back from, from a nanny that was helping us out. And you know, we'd been on the road for like, I don't know what, Tabor, four, 14 hours yesterday. That's crazy. And we're on the way to Greenwood, you know, about 9 o'clock at night, pitch black. You know, it's all foggy. You know, it's real, real dark. And Leland, my two-year-old, he's my middle child. I have three boys. Leland's sitting right behind me. And he's just, man, he's just not having it. He's just like, ooh, daddy. And he's like, you know, he's got his cute little footy jammies on, but he had just, um, so he had just dumped like a whole thing of water on himself. Like he had his water, but he decided like to take the top off and just dump the water on himself. Anybody else ever have your two-year-old do that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's just kind of what they do. They're experts at that kind of stuff. And so he's just soaking wet, you know, and he's just not feeling it. And he's been really clinging to me. I think he's been crying for me this morning. It breaks my heart. But, um, but he, you know, he's like, Daddy, just crying for me. And I just, man, I just, you know, just, man. Leland, he, he just hits you right here. Any, anybody that knows Leland knows. He, he, he's just a cute kid. I just reach my arm back like this. And I just, gra- I just grab his little hand and his little fingers. They're right, right, right around my hand. And he squeezes me. And I try to kind of like, you know, inch out. And he's like clamping down. And he did not make a sound. Such peace. He wrapped his tiny fingers around mine and was completely content in the presence of his daddy. Psalm, 
the book of Psalms. I have it here, verse 8. I think it's 63, verse 8. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. That is who God wants to be to you. To wrap you in his arms. I know, guys, we, we struggle with this picture of God because some of us, if you're like some of, some of you in the room have deep father hurts in your life. I didn't grow up with a daddy. Some of, some of you didn't either. And we go, I don't, I don't know what it's like to have a male wrap his arms around me as a child. But I can tell you that God will heal that hurt in your life. That he will be your daddy. That he's the daddy to the daddyless, scripture says. He's the father to the fatherless. And he'll do the same thing if you didn't have a mama or if, if your childhood was just very undesirable and you have hurts from back then. He will fill that void. He's done it in my life. He can do it in your life. And you guys, just the peace that my hand brought him, it just blew me away. And I'm just like, what? God, you really do want that to be the kind of peace that just the fact that you say I'm with you. When his word is present, you are present. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the shadow, of the valley of deep darkness. I'll fear no evil because you're with me. His presence is a powerful thing, guys. In fact, uh, throughout Scripture, we see God moving the most in those valleys of deep darkness. You, you look at anybody's life in Scripture, and it's when he's moving the most is when they're at their worst point and moment. And the guy that's writing this, by the way, his son wanted to murder him. I don't know if you remember that. It was pretty crazy. Something was like hunting him down, trying to kill him. And he had messed up in some pretty big ways. Yet David was a man after God's own heart. He was broken and contrite over his sin, and he repented well. He wasn't perfect, but he loved God, and he knew how to repent. Next one is the God that protects. Did you know that God's a protector? One person. Did you know that God's a protector? Amen. Yes, he is. He's a protector. Your rod and your staff, look, look at the text with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Have you ever seen a shepherd's rod before? It's like his crowbar. It's this like sturdy thing. And like when these like bears would show up, he'd, you know, like shepherds were kind of like ninjas. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you've studied this. They're kind of like ninjas, okay? Some, some, you know, some seminary professors might push back on that a little bit, but I mean, when I start reading about what shepherds did with those rods, okay, uh, you know, beating up bears and stuff like that, I mean, that's pretty hardcore, okay? So a rod would have been used as a defensive weapon to protect the sheep, to ward off enemies and predators. Guys, it's no secret in this place that we have an enemy. We have a spiritual enemy. There's spiritual warfare going on. Don't have time to unpack it this morning. It's invisible. We can't see it, but we feel the effects of that spiritual warfare. God is fighting for you. It is his war. And he has angels fighting on your behalf right now. Whether you're saved or not saved, angels fight so that people would know the Lord. And demons try to suppress, but who overcomes? God does. Thank you. God does. Jesus does. Jesus overcame. That's why he rose again. It wasn't just for fun. He did it because he's in charge. He's in charge. He holds the keys of life and death. Warding off enemies and predators with that rod, ninja style. And then his, sha- his, his chaff. I don't know what that is. Uh, that's, that's something else that blows off in the wind, isn't it? Uh, chaff. Um, his staff is an instrument of leadership. It's an instrument of love. Not a spanking spoon. Anybody know about the spanking spoons? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we might have one of those. Um, 
it's not a spanking spoon. It's, it's an instrument of love and leadership. And what the shepherds would do, they build these, 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 these walls and these gates, and then right at, right at the opening, right at the opening, you know what they'd do? They'd call their sheep, and they'd hold out that, that little staff, and the sheep would come under one by one. And then guess where the shepherd would sleep? Right here. They'd sleep right here. Because there wasn't anything that was going to hurt their flock. And who does Jesus say he is? He's the gate. He's the door. If you're one of his sheep, he's got you protected. And I hope his rod and his staff comfort you this morning. And yes, sheep still get nicked up. They still get hurt. Still wounded. God still allows those kind of things to happen. He still still tests us. He, he, he allows things to happen to us for many different reasons, some of which we have answers for, some of which we don't have answers for. But something that is sure is that his presence is with us, his rod and his staff, his rod protects us, his staff leads us. And those things are sure. Like, that's not up for debate. It's true. Let the truth give you freedom in your heart this morning to know that he's warding off enemies and he is leading you with his staff. And I pray that comforts you. He also prepares. God's a preparer. You know, he's really big on this order thing. How many, how many type A people we got here this morning? Anybody? Like order? Like there's a plan for the plan for the plan? Yeah. God's, <laughs> God, God created you that way, and there's a reason why you're made in the image of God. Like, he, you know, he, he's really good at that kind of stuff. And, and, and the Lord prepares a table. Check out this verse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, a table for a shepherd was actually a word for if you, if you study the language a little deeper, you see that shepherds would prepare a flat place for the sheep to lie down. Okay? Now, now there's some banquet imagery going on here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of choose to go this lane a little this morning. I'm going to focus on more of the shepherd stuff. But there's some banquet imagery going on here, too. So we're going to save that for another message. But over here, we have the shepherds would clear out this flat place. And check it out. Even in the presence of enemies. See, this is why this verse is so awesome. It's not just that God prepares a place for you to lie down, to be protected, to live, for your store to be resold, every, everything we've already said to happen. It's that it's in the presence of your enemies. That even though there's a threat on your life, even though there's someone that's got a sniper rifle and you're in the crosshairs, and his name is Satan, and he fights dirty, he aims for the heart, he aims for the head. He destroys marriages, destroys families all the time. But there's a God that prepares a table for you even in his presence. And he will not win. He has not won. He's already lost, and he's really mad about it. And we can trust in the guy that's already won the war. You know, um, let's, just, let's just move on to the last point, because this is really good. This is really what I'm here to tell you this morning. It's the God who restores. Everybody say restores. Everybody say, that's good news. It is good news that he restores. Did you know that something has to be messed up before it can be restored? And we ask, we say, God, why? Why? This, why do you allow these things to happen? And one of the reasons that we get in Scripture, one of the reasons we get is because God doesn't leave it broken and messed up. He promises to deliver justice. And there's some delayed justice coming. Just read the book of Revelation. God will make it right. Vengeance is mine. I shall repay, says the Lord. But he restores and the shepherd restores. Let's talk about how shepherd restored for a second. 
The sheep often experience danger when being led throughout the rugged lands in the Middle East. Just get that picture, that wilderness picture, just sharp rocks and snakes and scorpions. They would come back with bites and stings and broken limbs and other injuries, and shepherds would carry the sheep one by one. Such a personal ministry to their flock. And let's look at the text. You anoint my head with oil. Now, again, there's some banquet imagery going on here, but the anointing with the oil, guys, in the shepherd imagery, did you know that shepherds used oil for healing ointment? That they actually soothed wounds and kept the bugs off their sheep by rubbing oil on certain spots. We serve a God that not only restores, but he heals. He heals, he heals wounds. And this word right here, anoint, uh, it literally means to make fat, to become prosperous. In the, in, the, in the Hebrew. And Philippians 4.19 says, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He will meet your needs. He's a professional in wound care of the soul. And he uses his holy oil, his shepherd oil, to mend our hearts, to take our brokenness, our hurt, and our shame, and heals. He washes us white as snow from sin, and he heals wounds. And yeah, sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it's messy. It doesn't happen overnight. God will heal your wounds if you will trust in him, if you will do it in community. Seek out the help of your Christian community and don't try to do that on your own. But rely on the biblical community, rely on the great shepherd. He will heal your wounds. That next line, my cup overflows. There's a surplus of blessing even in our suffering. Amen. Surplus of blessing even in the suffering. That's why God's so great. It's not that he keeps us from suffering. It's that he blesses us while the suffering's going on. And he always teaches us something through. He always teaches nothing returns void when God is at work and he's always at work. My cup overflows. Shepherds carried this large cup with two handles and they had it for who? The thirsty. The thirsty sheep. Are you thirsty this morning? For God's living water. If you are, then come and drink. There's enough for you. There's enough grace and mercy for you in this place. There's more than enough for everyone who thirsts. Wasn't that so much of Jesus' message? If anyone would thirst, come. And he also loves. John 10, 11, the great shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And that brings us to the gospel this morning. It brings us to the gospel. This is such a gospel-centered psalm. Verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Can we just think about God's goodness for a second? God's goodness. I love this about God. Because most of our questions that we struggle with, most of our doubts and our fears and all the things we bring to the Lord, most of them can be met with this presupposition that is so important, it's a, it's, a cla- it's a presupposition that we get from Scripture. Scripture tells us God is good. So whatever issues we have, we first must assume, we, we must acknowledge that God is good. Whatever happens, God is good. I should not question His goodness. He is good. We, we just sang it over and over again. God's goodness. He does what's right. You can depend on Him. But not only is He good... He's merciful, God. And no matter what you've done in this place, Romans 3.23 says that all of us have violated God's standard. All of us, like sheep, Romans 3 a little earlier, have gone astray. We don't naturally seek after God. We're predisposed to go the other way. But God is merciful. He calls out. He says, come. Come. There's room for you. 
There's room for you in my arms, no matter what you've done. This word mercy translated more literally steadfast love. You know what steadfast means? It's a churchy word that means never giving up. Never giving up. Consistent. Faithful. Some of your translations say loving kindness. That's what God's full of. And his mercy. Mercy is when we is when we are not given what we deserve. We are pardoned. And even though we've sinned greatly, even just one little time before an infinitely holy God, and we've offended him, and we're under his judgment, and we're children of wrath, as Ephesians 2 says, in his kindness, he comes and he says, I show mercy upon you. If you will repent, 180, turn away from your sins. Say, God, I'm tired of that life. It's led me nowhere. And I want you to be my shepherd. I'm tired of trying to do everything myself. It's exhausting. It's not working. I'm tired of just asking friends for advice and depending on Facebook and memes to change my life. I'm ready to put my hope and trust in you, Lord. If you'll do that, he's faithful. He's, he's so merciful. I think God's hospitable too. Did you know that? That's why David says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I, I can return to God. It's what David writes here. God welcomes us back. I will return to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you've been wandering from God this morning, will you return? Will you return? I know that things may be broken and messed up for you right now. But I have a feeling in a room this size, there's someone in here. And you know deep down in your heart, things are not right between you and God. And I'm not here this morning again to judge you, to fuss at you. But I'm here on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ and his word to say that you can return to him. He loves you, brother. He loves you, sister. He gave his life for you. He gave everything for you. While we were still sinners, he loved us. And you can respond this morning to him. You know what you do? You bow your head, you close your eyes, and you tell him right now, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. I need your forgiveness and your mercy. I need your forgiveness and your mercy. God, will you please forgive me of my sins? And ask him to help you follow him to be your shepherd. It's simple. If you need help with that this morning, Come and get me. We'll pray right now. We'll step right over there and pray. There are other people in this room that can pray with you this morning. This is a place of response. No matter who you are in this room this morning, whether you're far from God or near Him, respond during this time. If you're a believer in in this room, pour out your heart to God this morning. Pour out your heart to Him. Say, God, I need you to lead me. I need you to be my shepherd. I'm so glad we serve a God that's our shepherd. And we live a shepherd-led life a God that cares and gave everything for us and continues to give and pour out. His blood keeps on saving, amen? His blood keeps on saving. It never gives up, never runs out. Can we pray together? Lord, you are so good. Your goodness fills this place. Your loving kindness fills this place because you're faithful. Because you're faithful, we can trust in your redeeming work. So God, would you restore where there's brokenness? Would you heal where there needs to be healing. Would you encourage hearts this morning, Lord, that are discouraged? 
Lord, would you mend relationships? Would you break strongholds of addiction? Would you fix marriages, Lord? Would you speak into our hearts and our life? And would you rule and reign over this response time and this worship service? Would you have your way this morning? Lord, we need you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.